Predictions are dangerous. We absolutely need more inventory. The Fed doesn't actually have a lot of tools to regulate inflation. That cash has dried up. Wow, is my first thought, Bruce. If both parties don't win, it doesn't happen. The Real Look. Trending News. G'day. Today's Wednesday, February 14th. Happy Valentine's Day. I'm Bruce Hardy. And I'm Chase Williams. And this is the news you need to know. Yet another copycat commission lawsuit has hit the court dockets. On Friday, home seller plaintiff Dalton Jensen filed an antitrust lawsuit in the U.S. District Court in Utah, accusing real estate industry players, yet again, of colluding to artificially inflate real estate agent commissions. It's almost comical, isn't it, when you hear this? And just like all the other commission lawsuits, the Jensen suit is seeking class action status for anyone who sold a property listed on the Wasatch Front MLS, Washington County MLS, Iron County MLS, or Summit County MLS between February 9, 2020 and the present. And oh, by the way, pay to buy a broker commission. So uh, what are your thoughts? I guess a lot of thoughts, Bruce. Uh, the obvious may be that I wonder how long and far these copycat lawsuits go, right? Like, I don't know how many we're up to now, but, you know, it seems like we could report on one each week should we choose. And, you know, this is the first one in Utah, but certainly in a long list of copycat suits. And, you know, it still comes down to the same claim that somehow there was some sort of like collusion given the participation rule from NAR. One thing that's interesting about this particular suit is that although the MLSs are named in terms of anyone who listed homes or bought homes using the MLSs, they're not actually named as defendants in the case. The primary defendants are National Association of Realtors, as well as some big name franchise companies that have been named, you know, in other suits and a couple of local franchises. So, I don't know, Bruce. It, it seems like it could go on forever unless something changes. What are your thoughts? Actually, we are up to 22 copycats, so almost two dozen additional suits now. So, yeah, I think what's fascinating here, Chase, is as you said, they've named the big players as well as the National Association of Realtors, but now they're also coming after smaller players. You know, for example, they named Equity Real Estate, Realty Path, and Windermere Real Estate Services was also named in this one. So, you know, they, they're just looking, again, it's the, where can we go find some money, I think, is, is how this shows up. It's going to be interesting to see what ultimately happens here with regards to settlements. And I think ultimately that's what these attorneys are trying to do, is get in line at the trough, so to speak, to get a settlement. And my expectation is we won't see all of these go to court or go to trial. The other thing that was really interesting, and I'm going to quote Chris Kelly, uh, who's an executive vice president at Home Services of America, who was named in this suit. He said, over the weekend, Home Services obtained a copy of the latest lawsuit filed in Utah. We are analyzing the specifics of the case, particularly the timeframes and MLSs mentioned in the suit, to ascertain the relevance of Home Services as a defendant in this matter, especially considering that we do not have any company-owned brokerages operating in the specified areas. So again, you know, I think it feels like they're trawling the bottom, so to speak, with a big net. They're getting a lot of bycatch in their trawling. So I don't know. It's just another one of these suits that I think we'll follow and we'll, we'll keep our listeners informed on. But again, get in line. U.S. home prices shot up in 86% 
of the 221 metropolitan areas tracked by the National Association of Realtors and rose 3.5% in the fourth quarter. And that's according to data released on Thursday by NAR. So the median home price rose 3.5% from a year earlier to an average of 391,700. And the gains marked an acceleration in price growth compared to earlier in 2023, when the median prices rose just 2.2% and grew in only 82% of metro areas. So what's going through your mind as you hear these numbers? Part of the title of this article, Bruce, says falling rates help drive home price growth in Q4. And while that may be true to some degree, I would say that the overall inventory levels are still the main driver of price appreciation, right? You've just got more buyers given the rates than we have sellers. And that typically tends to have an upward push on prices. And we've seen that happen for quite some time now. And even despite some of the challenges and headwinds in the markets, overall, in a lot of markets, prices have either held firm or continued to rise as we're seeing here, right? Not in all of them, but in 86% of the 221 they measured, that's a pretty big number. What that means is, of course, homeowners are continuing to build more equity. And we've talked on this program a lot about the importance of homeownership in the pursuit of building wealth, you know, as Americans. And then also on the other side of that coin, Bruce, is the affordability challenge that that can create for some trying to get in the game of homeownership. So for example, the typical monthly payment for a mortgage on a single family home rose to $2,163, which is 10% higher than a year earlier. It's actually down 1.2% from the third quarter. That's when mortgage rates were climbing toward post-pandemic highs but 10% than a year ago. And when you track that number specifically for affordability on first-time home buyers, they're now spending 39.4% of their family income on mortgage payments. And of course, households are considered to be cost burdened if they spend more than 30%. And that is measured by the Department of Housing and Urban Development. So here you have they're at 39.4% for first-time home buyers, and we say they're cost burden if they're over 30, and they're quite a bit over that. So you have really happy homeowners, and you have you know really unhappy folks trying to become homeowners, long story short. Absolutely. Well, I, I thought it was interesting, too, that the numbers showed that in, in nearly half of the markets, so 47.1% of all the largest metro areas, buyers needed $100,000 to afford a 10% down payment. So you know what that tells you, right? Average price is a million bucks. It's amazing how quickly this has gone. And I think, you know, with what you were saying there, Chase, certainly there's been wealth accumulation for people who actually own a home. And the cost to get in has been difficult, right? Because it's gone up in terms of doubling of housing costs. But I think the other side of it is people are feeling that increase in, in housing costs is what's causing people to be sort of down a little bit on where they feel the economy is, right? A lot of the pressure that we're feeling, even though, and by the way, this week, the uh, CPI numbers, the new numbers come out, you know, the expectations we're going to see inflation continuing to trend down. And of course, you know, the bulls in the market are like, yeah, we're going to see rates cut shortly. And well, we'll see. But I think this housing cost is really what is causing a lot of dissatisfaction among the population around the inflation. Yeah, there's a, a quote in here from our good buddy, Lawrence Yun from NAR, and he says, sales were restrained due to limited inventory. That's certainly true. 
But increased home building along with lower mortgage rates will not only improve housing affordability, but also help bring more homes onto the market in 2024. That's an encouraging quote, Bruce. I don't know how accurate it is and and specific to the increased home building, right? We're still well below the number of homes we need to be built, let alone a number that would be so far above that, that it could dramatically impact our inventory numbers, right? We'll take every single one we can get. But I personally feel like these affordability challenges could continue to persist for some time, even if there's slight relief on the way and in somewhat lower mortgages at some point. We'll certainly see if we get enough additional sellers getting into the market to really impact inventory in a meaningful way. I think we're going to talk about that here in another story in a minute, but it's certainly an optimistic quote by Mr. Yun. And certainly we've found NAR, despite their challenges, to be an optimistic bunch in general. So I can appreciate that. If we see inventory go up, one of the things we're we're going to see, right, is if we see rates come down, we're going to see a flood of buyers come into the market, people who are kept out. And again, it's that supply and demand. You know, as long as that stays in balance, we're not going to see massive shifts either way. But if we see inventory go up and nobody getting into the market because rates are high, then you're going to see prices come down to balance that market out. So yeah, whatever shift we have in the market is going to be short-lived, I think, because we're going to get to equilibrium fairly quickly because of either interest rates or the economy in general. Altos Research tracks what's going on in the market each week. For several months now, inventory levels of unsold homes on the market have been expanding compared to last year. Now, even though inventory declined this week, it's relatively growing compared to a year ago. So this week, inventory fell by half a percent, whereas a year ago, it fell by 3% in the same week. New listings each week, which, by the way, last year was a record low number, Mm -hmm. right? So we're sort of like looking at the bottom. So anything that we see now, it seems to be like, oh, good news. We're going up. We're going up. But we are seeing more inventory coming on the market. What are your thoughts about this? Any news and increased inventory, I think, at this rate is welcome news, but it's so small. It's not moving the needle a lot. Again, we'll take it. So thank you. And we need a lot more inventory for it to really have an impact, certainly on pricing. I think the challenge there is, you know, even though as it quotes, right, that these sellers are gradually easing, those are two very slow words put together back into the market. (laughs) We could use a lot more sellers coming into the market. Here's the challenge. We know because we look at the numbers that the number of sellers that have a current mortgage rate that's dramatically lower than where mortgage rates are today is part of the problem, right? We've reported that on this podcast. So them going down a little bit isn't enough to really push a whole bunch of sellers into saying, okay, now I can take advantage of the equity I've built in my house and I can trade for something else, either across or up slightly or whatever, for a mortgage rate that feels palatable. And by the way, a mortgage payment that feels palatable. So they're kind of, we're seeing them kind of be locked in still to some degree. You know, a lot of these listings, Bruce, as stated in the report here, even the 66,000 that came on the market last week, 14,000 of those are, have already gone under contract. Right. And that indicates a rapidly moving market for the right home on the right price. We're still seeing multiple offers. We're still seeing days on market be incredibly low on those well-priced listings. So there's still a lot of competition out there, even for the buyers that are in the market. 
Well, as you said, those 14,000 new listings that are already under contract, what that leaves is another 52,000 listings unsold to add to the existing inventory. And by the way, that's the most since 2020, before the pandemic. So again, it's movement in the right direction. And, you know, I think it is interesting, Chase. I mean, anecdotally, I know you and I are on the road a lot visiting offices. And January, there was an uptick. There was absolutely an uptick in the amount of business being done, right? And, you know, the numbers that and metrics that we look at here in our own company, you know, we can see that growth, right? January was actually a better January than January of last year. It's from a low, low, low. We see improvement, and that's a good thing, I think. You know, the other thing I find fascinating too, Chase, I don't know about you, but I'm hearing less and less talk, right, about those 3% interest rates now. And the longer we're in this higher interest rate environment, the more it becomes normalized. Then I think we'll start to see people getting off the fence because life is going to show up. Just like, um, you know, we saw in the pandemic, we got locked down for a year. What happened? People got tired. And once, once they uh, let us all out again, what happened? We went out. Right? <laughs> so I, I'm wondering if we don't see a similar effect as a result. We're constraining supply. And that's also constraining demand. So it'll be interesting to see if that changes. We're going to continue to watch rates closely. As you mentioned, the CPI numbers, the new CPI numbers around inflation come out this week. So we'll be watching those closely. There's a lot of anticipation maybe that they're still trending in the right direction, although we'll see. And so there's just a lot of factors here, Bruce, that are keeping some sellers in their homes. And probably even some we're not talking about here, but It's certainly a challenge from an inventory perspective. It's nice that we have more than we've had in a couple of years. But if we remember back to a couple of years ago, we were at historic lows then. So again, progress, just not much of it, but we'll take it. (laughs) Well, even last year, right, which was the lowest number of home sales we've seen in this country since 1995, only 3.78 million. That's still 3.78 million sales multiplied by two sides. So you know what? There's still enough deals out there for each of us to individually go out and get our unfair share. Well, that's the news you need to know. Don't miss this Friday's very special Northern Lights episode where we'll interview the co-founder and legend of Calloweems Realty International, Joe Williams. Thanks again for tuning in with us on The Real Look. This podcast is produced by Marissa Frost. Visit kwnwr.com to access the show notes from today's episode. Head over to Apple, Google, or Spotify, or really any major streaming platform to subscribe and don't forget to leave us a review. Thanks again for listening to The Real Look.